We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. I am joined tonight by my friend Jacob Elliott from the Golden Gridiron Podcast. Uh, We have worked together a lot on his show, and he's joined me on here once before, so glad to have you back, buddy. Yeah, it's glad to be back, and um, the reason I want everyone to know, the reason I didn't, I didn't have not been doing the podcast is not because I'm stopping it, it's because of computer complications with my main HP computer still messing up after months of trying to get back and forth, so don't worry, guys, I'm going to come back next season with the podcast, it was just... The reason why I didn't do it or stopped it was because I did not have a computer to be able to do it on. But don't worry, guys. I'm coming back with that next season. That That's unfortunate, man. It's uh, Oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. I, obviously, I mean, what we do, we need our technology to work for us. And I've, I've, had, I've had a couple times where my episodes didn't download or whatnot what, the way I thought it would. I mean, I know it's super frustrating, so I, I, I get it, man. Yeah, yeah, and um, one of the most embarrassing parts of that, well, not about that, but, like, things about doing this, that I was, gosh, I think it was Zach Tom, it was someone, a former App State player that I was interviewing for my podcast. We did, like, maybe about 30 minutes of it, and at the very end, we didn't start, it didn't record. Oh, so no. So we had to do it all over again. Same thing. It's hard, but it's awesome to be part of the, um, um, part of any nation, I'm, everyone knows I'm at predictions, App State sports news and facts, but I'm all App State, people say, but I'm not. I, I really study really hard into the Sun Belt because that's our conference, and I have insiders inside the Sun Belt. So I really, really am happy to do this because I really want to share our insight from people who are inside the Sun Belt and have some info compared to the outside world. Absolutely, <clears throat> and I and I love that. You, you know how much I enjoy talking about the Sun Belt and bringing that to my listeners. So I, I, I'm really excited to to listen to what you got to say and listen to uh, just kind of banter back and forth like we usually do. So Yeah. Go- yeah okay. So I want to start off with what we were talking about originally, if you don't mind. I, that would be a good starting point to lead into the conferences. Absolutely. So what I was saying, what we were talking about before the podcast, and I – mentioned this last night to him and it's a it's a baffling loophole but this has actually been reported by multiple sites and i've checked it out and it actually is a loophole so we're going to talk about jmu joining the Sun Belt and being both eligible for their first year and for some odd reason there's a loophole so if jmu can host five fbs teams and play all fbs teams in the schedule they could be bowl eligible if they win enough games, which is everyone's asking, like, why did that not happen for App State or whatever? Well, I want to explain this as best I can. When we came to the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt was not what it is today. That's all I really have to say about it. That's the truth. (laughs) 
And the reason why is just because no one expected it to be as popular as now. And now Sunbelt's trying to get everyone in faster so it can be the national spotlight, the recruit. I mean, all of this, it's just time. They really wanted to be the first ones. They, everyone, I mean, you can ask anyone, a couple Conference USA fans who kind of are pissed off they didn't get to join, say they're not, but the Sunbelt is the best G5 Conference, and it's going to stay that way. I'm just so happy about it. But um, the loophole thing was just something really weird. But at the same time, the only reason they're doing that is for to make JMU look good, make the conference look better, and plus get attention on the conference. And that's in my opinion. Well, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that, that JMU could win five games. I, I don't think that that's like a that, – that, would, that wouldn't be like a world-shattering thing. It, it, yeah. I mean, they're they're a good football team. They're one of the best teams at the FCS level. So I mean, it, it they beat a ranked Virginia Tech team a handful yeah. a handful of years ago. But still, I mean, this is a team that can that can come into the Sun Belt and can and can compete right away. And like State did absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, now look popular. And, and no offense, any other team in the Sun Belt, and but I think you and I both agree. The Sun Belt is where it is today because of where how App State made it where it is today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there. I'm sorry, Sun Belt schools, but it's just we we came in and we raised the bar up, and that's what brought the Sun Belt up too. And now other teams are starting to do like Louisiana, even ULM starting to improve, and that's all because of what we brought into the Sun Belt. And imagine what JMU did something I don't like saying this better. Imagine of how that's going to come out. Right. I mean, that that that's a great point because <clears throat> there's not a bad team in the Sun Belt. There's there's just there's not. And used to be. Right. They used to be absolutely, absolutely. But like you look at it now and it's like I mean, t- Texas State is probably the worst team, but well, to me to me they're they're a sleeping giant. Yeah. Um but yeah, Texas State had so many transfers the last few years come mm-hmm. in, coaching, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, if you ask me, ULM's the biggest surprise, and I'm happy to see them do good because they're usually on the conference. And I posted this. I'm not sure where I posted it. I think it was on some someone talking about this. I think it was yours. I said, I bet you money in 2022 we will not have an undefeated conference champion in the Sun Belt. That's my guess because the talent-wise. Oh, I, I, and I would agree with you. I mean, the East – the Sun Belt East is going to be just powerful. It, it's, I mean, if somebody goes undefeated in the Sun Belt East, they should be in the playoff. I mean, that's just yeah. point blank. Whoever, is, whoever yeah, it is, that's just starting to get to the and adding Southern Miss to the West will actually help a little. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of that move, but still, it will help the West. But I mean, for me, the East is where it is to be. We have in all the additions, the West is slowly getting there, like ULM. Arkansas State, I mean, all these teams you never heard of, like, good, being good, are starting to get good. Absolutely. And and just this week, actually, Southern Miss added two SEC transfers on their defensive line. So, I mean, that's going to help them tremendously. And, and I, I think uh, their head coach, Will Hall, given, given time, is going to do really, really well there. And I think they're the team that could challenge the Louisiana – the soonest, I, I should say. And Louisiana's losing a lot of good players, though. Yes, That's the yes. point. Yep. 
And so our question is, and with a new head coach, um, I just want to say I love Yolen fans. Yolen fans, you guys are the best, the nicest fans in the world. And I was so happy to see Billy, not, not because I wanted to see Louisiana lose him, but I'm happy to see um, Napier go somewhere like as you see like he is. Like, right. He deserves it. Yolen, the culture there, the respect they're one of the best fan bases you've asked me in FBS, and I don't really mean that exaggerating wise. It's just they're so kind to us, even though they beat us. It, you just—I mean, I don't know if you had an interaction with them, but they're just the, some of the best fans in the world, and I'm really happy to see them. The only team in the whole Sun Belt that every team says we don't want to win—I guess you guys can guess it—is Coastal. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I mean I I know the. I know the persona out there about Coastal, and I am a Coastal fan. I'm wearing a Coastal Carolina shirt as we do this podcast. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But but at the same at the same time, I I understand what you are talking about. I do. Yeah, I'm nothing against Coastal. It's just at times things have been said between players, and stuff has gone. That, I mean, it's nothing bad. Like I have no I had nothing against Coastal before their year, and nothing, but. The thing is, is that I don't think you even know this. No, um, probably everyone will know this name. Grace McCall, quarterback, Coastal. He right. He was originally recruited by Sean Clark to App State, but but Drinkwitz didn't want him. So that's why he was Coastal, because App originally wanted him bad, and Clark recruited him. And, and I know he's from that area, too. He's from the Charlotte area, so... It's heartbreaking because Drinkwitz turned down a star. And, um, right. And Clark... And that makes me feel bad about our recruiting because Clark recruited Grace McCall, and look how good Grace McCall is now. Absolutely. He's he's going to be in the running... A Heisman contender next year. I hate him, but yeah. I, I know I hate him, but I just don't really favor Coastal a lot, but Grayson Call, I love it. <laughs> I'll go for it. I just, there's just stuff that has been happened, has been said between App and Coastal that kind of gets the persona that we don't like each other. I, I have mutual respect for them, but I don't really like them. I have respect, but I don't like them. If you get what I mean. I, I get what you're saying, absolutely. And uh, that's the same way how I, I feel towards Ohio State like because I grew up I grew up a Michigan fan and and Ohio State's just the team that we could never beat and it was just like mm-hmm. I can't yeah. stand them but at the same time it's like you just have to respect them because they're so good and yeah. so yeah. It, I totally get it I totally get it but so I'm gonna get back on track to yeah here. Um, but including JMU that little loophole is that there are I believe I'm saying this right. Five East teams. Am I, is it seven or five? Um, sorry, I'm not that um, But we have that many teams. Let me see, because we're adding teams. There'd be seven with the. Seven, yeah. Sorry, I'm just trying to make sure I said seven teams. Um, and to be eligible, they have to play five conference games at home. So that would mean that pretty much. There'll be two road games against East Defenders, and there'll be five home games against East um, opponents. Or, or it could be they'll probably it do one West crossover to make it eight yeah. games. So I mean, there there could be that, but that, that's that's an interesting interesting 
a little loophole, actually. I uh, mean, and I'm not saying it's 100 I'm just saying what I've heard and what I've read, that is what's happening. I mean, it's been reported multiple times, but I'm not saying this is 100% true. I'm just going off of what I've been seeing and hearing. Right, right. And <clears throat> it'll, it will be really, really interesting to see what type of schedule they're, put, they're able to put together from, say, a non-conference perspective the four non-conference games that they'll have to get to uh just to like fill their schedule out so quickly i mean it's uh it's gonna be i i would have to imagine that that they'll that they would be playing at least two fcs teams just because of their yeah and but apparently the rule says they have to play all fbs schools Okay, that that's interesting. I mean that. It is. But that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense though. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? Sorry. <laughs> I said it makes sense though. I mean, it, it's yeah. not it's not a crazy thing to to think about and, really. Um, James Madison's a well recognized school. I bet you might. And they're and where they're located, it has some FBS schools in the general deficit. Not like in the state, but like uh, close to them. They. I mean. It'll be interesting to see, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were playing most some P5 schools in there just because of the way where they're located, their history, the name, and how they're coming into the Sun Belt this way. So for me, it's going to be interesting, but at the same time, it's not going to be hard, hard. You know what I mean? The Sun Belt's been working on this for a long time before, um, but it's going to be interesting to see who they will play if they will play that way. It's just the matter of scheduling in the Sun Belt. Absolutely, and and going back to a point that you made earlier, I think the Sun Belt expanding before 2023, which was the original agreed upon date, I think them doing it in 2022 here is, I, I mean, it 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 puts them ahead of the game and for everybody for all the, for all the conferences, all realignment, and it it brings the focus on the Sun Belt this coming season. And I think that's a huge, huge thing. And the thing I like about it is that most of these schools like ULM or some in other places, this year, this is their second year, the coach's second year there. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine like, cause usually the first year you try and get things second year, you get better. So imagine some really improved teams like ULM, Arkansas State and such coming in. There's national spotlights on the whole Sun Belt and the West division tightens up. I mean, and that will treat people to come back. You have to just think, okay, is this team good this year? Is this going to happen? Are they going to... It's all about timing. And the way they're trying to do this is going to make sure that the tension and people know who the Sunbelt is and who the Sunbelt has. Absolutely. I, I, that's, that's a great point. I, I, would, I would love to hear uh, your thoughts on this. It's, it's something that I... That, I've bantered back and forth with people on social media about about uh, Texas State um, mm-hmm. in the conference and how they're kind of an outlier, but at the same time, like having a Texas school is a huge deal for for so many reasons. But but a lot of people are ha- a handful of people that I've talked to have said, well, why don't they try and go with? like a Western Kentucky, a middle Tennessee, like teams like that instead of Texas state. And it, I'm just intrigued to see what you have to say about that. 
Football-wise, I agree. But other sports-wise, I can see why. Basketball, they are pretty outgoing. They have sports other than football they're good at. Right, and, right. And it's hard to say. And like you said, it's kind of hard to complex. But they've been in the Sun Belt a long, long, long time. So they right. have they have stuff there. They have a place. They have sell home in the Sun Belt. I mean, I agree with those people saying why. But same time, I'm looking at like they've been in the Sun Belt. They have everything they need right here. Plus, on top of that, they're improving not just in football but other sports too. I mean, it, it, it's kind of questioning for some people. For, for me, it's just a way to keep Texas also in the map. And recruiting-wise, and not even recruiting-wise, but just keep up. Because Texas State does really well, and some schools like, I don't know, SMU don't do well. Texas State's name will be out there because they're better than a team like SMU. And for me, I feel like it's going to be a fit because of the other sports and their football's improving. But in my opinion, that mostly it's in there. Texas State's in there for that those those reasons, but also to keep Texas in the Sun Belt. Absolutely. I mean, that that that's a that's a key point. Is like how I mean, I think we all agree. Everybody that's a that that talks about college football knows how big of a deal Texas is. So ha- having having a team from the state of Texas in your conference is is a huge, huge deal because of what it leads to in recruiting, what it leads to in revenue. I mean, it, it has to help from a TV market perspective, I would imagine. Um, and kind of like what you were saying about their other sports. I mean, the men's basketball team at Texas state won the conf- won the regular season conference title last year. We beat them. Yay. Yes, you guys did. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, also because that, like I was saying too, if they can win and they can out like win more games some than these some schools like um not like like Houston you know, these North Texas their names gonna start coming up over over and again over and over again in Texas, and that's not just recruiting wise that's gonna help nationalize because everyone always looks at Texas and stuff because you know, that's SMU they have Houston that Texas A and M, but if you can get Texas State in there towards the middle or towards the top comes in the like next few years. I feel like that that's going to be a huge advantage for them, for the Sun Belt, and for pretty much all of Texas because now they'll have a new contender saying, "Okay, we got to make sure we're better than this team." And that happens, you get national attention. Absolutely, great, great point. And and I agree with everything that you said. I just wanted to see your thoughts and insight on that, just because I've had that conversation with a with a handful of people and. And I've kind of told them the same type of things that you were saying. So, I mean, it's... Uh... I mean, I understand the argument and where they're coming from. But at the same time, Texas is such a big market. But also what Texas State brings to the Sun Belt is way different than Middle Tennessee or Western Kentucky bringing to the Sun Belt. No offense to those two schools. Texas State is a team on the rise. And I feel like that's a smart move by the Sun Belt. Because the West and doesn't then it's not bad for the West teams to travel that way. It's not right. But also, right. it helps other teams get exposure, not just Texas State. So, like if they beat Louisiana or Louisiana, come, I mean, just for say it's all of it's, Tennessee and West and Kentucky. They have recruits, yes, but and they have teams, yes, but they don't have as many teams as Texas. They don't right. have as much talent as the teams in Texas. That kind of gets in the way of like this team's on the rise. If we let them go. 
then we don't have anywhere in Texas or anyone out towards the West to actually pretty much for teams to pull for. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, keeping in, and I just thought of this, keeping in the summer also helps secure the, um, the West sides, like California area, like Nevada. That kind of keeps that area informed of the Sun Belt and pretty much of Texas State. And if that, that's a really good point for me, I feel like, because if you have that, keep that in that way, you have attention from California, that area, and that helps recruiting and people know about Texas State and the Sun Belt. 100%. Absolutely. I just thought about that. That was just so crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but the other thing <clears throat> that I absolutely love about the expansion is the teams. App State Marshall have a storied history. App State JMU has a storied history. App State Southern Miss have like three or four games against each other. Old Dominion, like one or two. The teams they're bringing in are teams that know how to win and teams that have history with other teams. Absolutely. That, that's, a, that's such a huge thing when it comes to the regional aspect of the Sun Belt now. The regional rivalries that are, one, created and two, renewed in this okay. whole aspect. I mean, it's like you said, App State and Marshall, year in, year yes. out, is going to be a battle. It's going to be Every awesome year. to watch. Yes, and also, it's not just App State, it's Georgia Southern in that mix, too. Right, right. They used to be in the SOCON, they used to play these schools. And so Marshall, for what I've been telling people, is that I want Marshall one year at home, next year Georgia Southern at home, so we can have a Black Saturdays at home rivalry weekend against one of those schools. Because, um, in my opinion, Marshall and App State, I've not grown up knowing Marshall, because my dad knows it and talked to me about it and told me all this stuff. But the way the history is between these two schools, it could turn out to be one of the bigger, I think Rob was even bigger than Georgia Southern, if you ask me, just because the intensity of how the past has been and the way it's been played in the past. And, and I think as fans, we should all be for that. I mean, it's going to be great for college football and great for and the I'm conference. Georgia, sorry, I'm not saying Georgia Southern's not going to be a rival. I'm saying that Marshall could bring more to the table. I agree with that. Absolutely. And I, I like I said, I don't have anything in sort of studying a rivalry. It's just the intensity between App and Marshall is on another level. I've never seen as much intensity and everything as I've seen from the Marshall. I've been to a couple of Georgia Southern games. I know how the fans are, but I, I've seen the Marshall fans. And this rivalry, rivalry is something out that no one is going to but everyone's going to know about the end of the year if you ask me. Because the, the way the game ended this past year mm -hmm. is marvelous. It really, I loved, I I hate it was such a close game. I was like, my heart was pounding. But the way it was played was amazing. And that brought in a lot of revenue and a lot of attention to those two schools. Oh, yeah. It was a great game. And that's that's something to really, really look forward to. But another, yeah, another thing I'd love to discuss is... Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of the non-conference games that some of the teams in the Sun Belt have lined up next year. Mm -hmm. You guys host North Carolina. Georgia Open Georgia State hosts North Carolina. Yep, the next week. And yeah, and then I know Coastal goes to Virginia. And we play at Texas A&M. Right, right, and it, I I I know that uh, 
I think it was Arkansas State plays at Ohio State, I think. So, I mean, there, there's some there's some big games in there. Yeah, I'm looking up right now some of these games. Um, yeah, but the thing is that I love the most is we're opening against North Carolina at home. Like, Wake's too scared to play us at home again. South Carolina bailed out and don't want to play us at our place, so they're now playing them at their place. But having North Carolina open the season – at ACC school, last time we had one there was Wake. We lost by one. The then before that, we lost to Miami. But bringing in North Carolina is going to be a different game than those two. Right. And I'm pulling up the schedules right now for the Sun Belt for this year. So let me just see what we got going on. I, I, I'm I'm pulling for you guys in that opener. That is for sure. I mean, that, that yeah. would be such a big deal for App State and for the Sun Belt, it would just be, that would be an amazing thing. <clears throat> yeah, and to be, like, Mac Brown, my, I'm pretty sure he has history with that, been there, done that, with that. Um, and plus, the players that play against each other, most of the players you will see have played against each other. Right. I mean, it, it's an in-state rivalry that I love when we played against them. It's just, we were, we beat South Carolina, we beat North Carolina, and then in the past we've been East Carolina and Western Carolina. We've been pretty much every Carolina school there is except for NC State and I believe Clemson and Duke are the only schools we have don't have winning records against in FBS. Um, Duke we never played. Clemson we never won. NC State we played like twice. We always beat them once. But, I mean, this North Carolina usually comes down to UNC or App State now, and that game's going to set the tone for the season. Right. For both teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be awesome to see. Here we go. So I'm going to go to Coastal Carolina and look at this. But like I was saying, the thing is, it's going to be really cool to see where, if if the teams get in, which it looks like it will be, where, when, and everything else, these guys, the games will be played. Right. Because the, the JMU situation is going to mix up a bunch of stuff. Right. That's that's going to be the tricky part. The others, like, other schools are already in the FBS. It's kind of an easier transition. Right. So, let's see, it's 2022. So, right now, Coastal plays at Virginia, at home against Army, which is a good opponent. That's a good, to. yeah, that's a good game. That's a good game. Then they host Buffalo and Gardner-Webb, it says. That was, I'm going to go to Louisiana. So, I'm just looking at this stuff because it's really cool. Because, like, every year you see the Sun Belt get better and better and better in the non-conference scheduling. Right. Okay. Uh, they play Louisiana plays at Florida State this year. Yep. That's their big game. And that may actually be interesting. I'm really intrigued by that game. Absolutely. So, but yeah, like like I said, every year, it, let's, just, let's take this, for example, in basketball. App State has one of the toughest schedules in the NCAA basketball and the toughest schedule coming into the Sun Belt. Now, when you schedule tough opponents and opponents that are really well-named, you get better. And you get more attention, you get more recognition. And that's what the Sun Belt's going to start doing with these non-conference games. They're going to start scheduling the big boys and trying to get the big boys to come play them at our place to get national attention and also to get experience in. Absolutely. Um, oh, and then Georgia Southern, they will be playing right here. This is they actually played at Nebraska and at UAB, which is those two games are going to be really tough for them. UAB is a good school. Nebraska is pretty decent. So 
Uh, yeah, Nebraska just got uh, Thompson, the quarterback transfer from Texas today. Yes, I just saw that too, which is crazy. Georgia's oh wow, Georgia State's going to play at South Carolina, at home against North Carolina, at home against Charlotte, and at Army. Now that is a non-conference schedule that's going to be difficult. Yeah, that's difficult. <laughs> and that's good. That's good. That's what you want. Those games because it helps. When you play a team like that at home, it helps bring back like okay, you guys want to play us our place. We we'll play. It, it may extend the series. It may add more games at the home place. It's just great to have these big schools come to the Sun Belt schools because it helps every which way. Right. And but it's just awesome to see how the Sun Belt's transformed since when App joined to now. I mean. I, if you ask me a lot, and a lot of people will say this, when we joined the Sun Belt, we were scared we were making the wrong move. And that was no um, fear. That, that's a fear we should have had. But the way the app and the Sun Belt has taken their the path, you could say, it has exploded and been one of the best decisions in our history and for the Sun Belt. I mean, no doubt, without us, they probably wouldn't be where they are today. 100%. I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now if that didn't happen. And we have to get clear because, like, when we came in, Louisiana brought up their game, and other schools are trying to do that same thing because we brought in talent and we brought in a philosophy that they don't, they haven't seen in Sun Belt before. So they had to adjust and improve their teams or adjust their teams to make them be able to compete with schools like us. So that's where we come in is that. We brought in stuff that they never seen before, and when that happened, you have to change your game plan. And that game plan was changed, and that game plan paid off for almost every school in the Sun Belt. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, be before we conclude, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I just want to say one thing. I'm, I mean, I've been talking about this a lot. I love the Sun Belt. I love Keith, Keith Kelly. I love everything about it, and I'm excited for you to see how this plays out. The Sun Belt is going to be rocking this year. And I'm so happy to be talking about it with you. There's just so much to unravel, guys. Go out and look at more news because we have just touched the iceberg. We just scraped it of what's going on. And we need to, and you guys can get a lot more. But as we conclude, I just want to say, watch out. The Sun Belt's going to be something else this year. It's, it's the best G5 conference in America, that is for sure. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Again, thanks, Jacob, for coming on the show and really appreciate it. And uh, again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can follow me in the podcast at TNT College Foot One, me personally at Coach underscore B Will. Have a good night, everybody. God bless.